Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Design Closer. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, before we jump in, I have a small favour to ask. I've been creating content for This Is HCD for over five years or so, all for the love of sharing knowledge to the global design community. One thing you could do is leave a review for us, preferably a five-star one as it helps grow our community and every little helps. And even if you don't review, go one better by telling the people that you work with about the podcast. It really makes a difference. Now, we launched a space and this is hcd.com where you can take courses now in visualization, design research and more. So please check it out and support the show. In this episode, I speak with Mark Fontaine of the Service Design Show. Now, I appeared many years ago on Mark's own show and we've been chatting ever since. And I caught up with Mark recently to hear about what he's been working on and also about selling service design. We even do a fun role play activity where I get to play the boss or decision maker in a business. It's a good one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's jump straight in. Mark Fontaine, I'm delighted to welcome you finally to this. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Long time admirer. Um, I've been on the service design show. We were just talking about four and a half years ago. And how it happens to be four and a half years later that we speak next time is kind of beyond me. But I'm delighted to finally welcome you onto the podcast. Officially, yeah, officially, we've been in touch in the meantime. But uh, yeah, 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 you've this been on the service design show. Did you did you have a look at which episode number it was? Because I don't recall. Um, I don't. I think it was probably fifteen or twenty or something. I think it was. I, imagine that. Where I'm. By the time that we're publishing this, it's probably around 160. So um, really, wow. yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I mean, we were just recounting when all where we were at at that time. It was 20, maybe 2018, something um, like that. Yeah, something like that. Like you know, and how much the world has changed. Um, but yet, how much of it has still remained the same? Um, and I'm gonna hopefully chat to you a little bit more around service design in particular and also some of the work that you've been doing over the last four and a half years because you've been busy i have i have yeah yeah for sure and i'd love to share yeah and absolutely so mark when you're out and about and you meet people say at your kids playground and stuff and they say hey mark what do you do well mm-hmm. how do you answer that question that's a classic one and uh, i would say uh I'm still discovering and figuring it out, but these days I position it as uh, I'm somebody who helps service design professionals do a better job, um, be more effective, impactful. And the way I do this is by publishing helpful content, uh, by educating people, by coaching people. Um, So yeah, that's 
how I'm uh, describing it these days. But uh, I had a conversation with myself this morning and I could just as easily uh, sort of frame the things I'm doing as being a publisher, uh, a media company. So it depends. It depends on who's standing in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about that beforehand, like the the kind of the position and the framing that we put on our own self um, and how you can actually see that, you know, journalist or media publisher, or, you know, content creator, or as a, a word that I've learned recently, a entrepreneur <laughs> content with Abby Abdal on, on YouTube is a, a great way of framing things like, you know, but I want to ask you, um, why service design? Like, where did this come from? And for anyone listening who may not know what service design is, maybe chat, chat about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, why service design? It depends on how far we want to go back. But uh, let me try to give you a two-minute uh, backstory, and then uh, mm. you can ask for more context. But I'm not a trained designer by any means. I, I'm a software engineer by trade. I learned how to build software uh, and um, then actually uh, right after going out of university, I started my own company building mobile apps before the iPhone was out. So there wasn't really an ecosystem there. But really quickly, um, I learned that I got bored building software. Uh, and the reason I got bored is that once you figure out how to solve one challenge using software, and you'll, you'll get pretty confident that you can actually solve the next one. The real challenge that I saw was that nobody was using the stuff I was making. And that was really frustrating. Um, and I was more and more getting interested in learning how I can build meaningful stuff. Um, and then through sheer coincidence, I got introduced to the concept of surf design and I met uh, the co-founder of the studio that I founded later uh, in the Netherlands called 31 Volts. Mm-hmm. Um, a traditional product designer and he introduced me to design the design concept what it is uh, and I had the notion of design that I think most people still have like it's the creative aspect I wasn't the creative I was an engineer mm-hmm. but I learned that a lot of things that I learned through engineering are applicable in design are, are part of design it's just a matter of shifting your perspective that um you're you're taking a human-centered first approach. Um, mm. So th- to wrap this story up, why service design? Uh, back then, when I got introduced to service design around 2006, we Googled service design Netherlands. I'm based in the Netherlands. Back then, you could get zero hits on Google, and we got zero hits. Uh, I'm not saying that nobody was doing service design in the Netherlands, but weren't using that term. We figured like 80% of our economy is made out of services. Why Mm. aren't design professionals thinking and and contributing to developing, designing better experiences? And that was curious to us. And we thought like, let's let's just put it out there and see what happens. And then sort of the rest is history. The rest is history. Um, I noticed like you mentioned more around human-centeredness and... um, what do you, what do you feel is lacking in the service design discipline as regards human centeredness? Oh wow, that's a that's a good question. What's lacking in the service design spell? Um, one thing that immediately pops to my mind, and that's something that I've been mm. sort of preaching for the last at least five years, is uh, business awareness. So um, 
I think uh, service design people are a very passionate and dedicated bunch of folks, uh, very uh, empathetic and very passion driven. We want to do good for people um, and we do everything we can to understand who we're designing for. But I don't know how it happened, but we tend to forget that we're also working with people. So the mm -hmm. people around us inside an organization or uh, with a client, um, somehow there is a blind spot that we're not doing as much as we can to actually understand their needs, the, the needs of our coworkers, uh, yeah. the needs of the business stakeholders. And uh, I think that's slowly changing for the good. But uh, if, if you ask me what's missing, I would say uh, even more awareness around that aspect. And is this, do you think that that, that lack of awareness um, is driven by the, the industry or is it driven by the, the mindset of the practice? I think it's driven by, um, by, the, by the sort of education. And uh, the stuff, the stories that get shared, uh, the stories that get shared uh, focus on tools, methodologies, uh, like you see all those frameworks, models coming by, canvases. And um, that, that's the thing that gets the attention. That's like the, the shiny stuff. Uh, yeah. What, what you don't machine. see. Yeah. But what you don't see is actually um, all the backstage stuff if we want to stay in service design mm. terms like you see the again you see the workshop you see the field research but you don't see that you have to sort of convince your manager to get time to actually do field research or how do you convince the other department to join your ideation workshop like that's the hard stuff yeah. um so yeah and that's the stuff that can have a, a real long-lasting impact on the health and the well-being of the the practitioner it's not like at the end of the day you know the person doesn't walk home remunerated with an extra double salary for convincing their boss to give extra time to do research that they should be doing anyway so mm -hmm. if they don't get that uh, i know from experience and also from working with other designers that can be very draining and can be trauma inducing oh man Absolutely. And I'm happy that you sort of touch upon this because um, as, a, as a practice, as an industry, as a field, we have to set the right expectations. So people getting into this field, which what are they seeing? And right now they're seeing people doing awesome stuff. It looks fun. It looks exciting. Like who yeah. wouldn't want to have a purposeful day-to-day uh, -day job? Yeah. But when you get into an organization, get to work with a client and you sort of uh, have a look uh, behind the curtain and you see all the stakeholder management, all this politics that nobody told you about, right? Yeah. Because that's that's what you don't hear uh, at conferences. No. That's what you don't read in the service design books. But that is the day-to-day -day reality. Like you get discouraged, you get frustrated, you get disappointed. And that's not what we want. We need more people designing better service experiences, not less. So yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to again discourage people here listening to this. But uh, it's good to be aware and get yourself prepared for this uh, because that's doable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very uh, often that you might hear of business leaders coming to service design conferences or 
being presented with the discipline and getting excited because they're like, okay, cool. This holistic approach to uh, providing, you know, a, a sort of a framework that we can work towards, it usually goes in one direction. And that is, you know, making more money, speed, all these different things. And they come at a cost. And there's a collateral cost to the human impact, as as you said there about the the employee and your your coworkers and and stuff like that. In your experience, because I know you, you you're doing an awful lot of work in, in selling service design, um, how do you how do you recommend that people approach those conversations? So it's not just all about speed and making money, and reframe it into more of an ethical approach to to designing services mm. um yeah, short answer is ask more questions listen uh if anything like uh if you take anything away <laughs> that's that's the short approach so um i i wouldn't know it, like in if you're in a for-profit organization like making money is just the game that you're playing and speed is important so i don't think those are bad things per se and are contradicting to being ethical and doing good for the world i think it's the job of the professional the service design professional uh, to connect those things to the work you're doing if you if you're not able to connect the dots and show how you're contributing to what the organization finds important and show how it's com contributing, then you're probably not doing a very good job. And uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's not that hard to show that doing good for people, employees, customers, in the end is good for business. Like it's, it's not that hard. Mm. So when you say ask more questions, I mean, and I, I, I'm not being kind of flip it when I say this, like, you know, can you give me a little bit more depth in terms of what that looks like? Sure. Uh, we can try at least. See I want to do a bit of a role playing. We could do a bit <laughs> of a role play even in this, like, you know, so. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. No. Or do you, are you comfortable enough to do this? Let's, I, I'm comfortable with anything. So let's see. Sound like a true Dutch person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's say I'll be, um, I'll be the boss. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you be the, the service designer. And the boss is someone who, who has never heard of service design. Sure. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Let's go. I'm at my computer. You walk up to my desk. And then what happens? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, Jerry. Okay. I'm, I'm doing well. Exciting day. That's good. Um, can I help you? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I heard from Jeff that you were interested in talking about creating value for our customers. Is that right? I'm always trying to create value for the customers. Mm, awesome. What's, what, what's, what's the angle? Well, uh, I'm curious uh, if you can share a little bit more about where that is coming from. Like what set you on the track of creating value for customers? So what are your thoughts about that right now? Well, at the moment, we're trying to reduce uh, the price for, of the service so we can make it more accessible to people and make it a bit more affordable people, to people because at the moment, you know, money's tight for large parts of the world and we need to reduce our costs. 
that makes uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good direction if we can support more customers and serve more customers with our service. Um, I'm curious, is, is anything holding you back from actually lowering the price right now? Are there any barriers to achieving this? Well, we can't get a hold of good people um, to work within the office at the moment. Everyone wants to work remotely and um, we're finding it very hard because we haven't been able to replace some of our team and we're going to have to hire a consultancy to take over that role and it's going to be twice as expensive for us. Mm. So the struggle is finding good talent right now. Yeah. And this is not where you promote service design jobs.com. Not really. <laughs> well, I could, but uh, so uh, I'll, I'll pause here for a second because um, it could be very tempting to continue this conversation in the direction um, and, and sort of try to sell you on service design. But at this stage, I would even question like, is this, should, should we be having this conversation? Is this a conversation that you need to be having? It sounds like an HR challenge, not a service mm. design challenge. That still okay. might be something uh, that could, uh, where service design could play a role and think about employee experience. Um, but the reason I want to sort of pause here is that this is the, the pitfall, a trap that I see a lot of professionals walk into. Yeah. Trying to sell you on service design. I don't know if you need service design, right? The answer could be, you're not my client. You're not the person who needs service design. You need to you're talk to HR, right? And and I don't know, do something there. So. Um, and that's really does that make sense absolutely and i'm a huge believer in this because people say to me like we want to try and you know get service design in everywhere and i'm like well maybe they don't need service design maybe maybe it's not maybe it's something that they don't really have an interest in or maybe they don't even need because you know what they're doing pretty okay on their own like you know Absolutely. And this is um, this is sort of where I think I have flipped the conversation in my mind a few years ago. Um, this isn't for everyone. And selling isn't about me convincing you that you need this. When I sell, the only thing I want to do is help you achieve the goal that you already have. And for that, I need to know what is your goal? What are your struggles? And do those struggles... Uh, align with the skills that I can provide. Like yeah. if that's not the case, I, the best thing I can do is sort of advise you to talk with Jeff or somebody else in the organization. Yeah. And, and then selling and then selling becomes so easy. Like you just need to find the right the, the person with the right problem. I mean, if you're a practitioner, and this is a, a big thing that I see in my coaching, is people who are working maybe say in user experience design or BA or business design and they've heard of service design and they want to do it and they go to their boss and they're they're trying to sell it in because they basically want to make a new role for themselves and to practice service design because they think service design would be really good in, in the organization. Um, and usually if if that opportunity exists, I always recommend that they they start right where they're at. Like you know, there's mm -hmm. there's a good opportunity there. But from Jeff's perspective, and I don't know what my name was in the role play, um, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry probably. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to sell it in when there's not a fit. In fact, I'd probably say it's impossible. It's uh, uh it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, yeah, like um. Because if you, like, I'm not even selling you on service design. I'm selling you on a solution to a challenge that you have. 
Like mm. we can call it user experience design. We can call it whatever we want. You have a problem, a business challenge, a customer challenge. That's what I want to help you with. And if you're interested, like if you're a service design geek as me, I can tell you all about service design. But in general, I would I would hold back on using those terms with people who aren't interested in design. They don't care. Yeah. And that's okay. Like that's that's totally fine. I know. I remember um Mark, the other Mark stick the other Mark, Mark stick to a legendary Mark. <laughs> he is he is a great tweet that he he wrote. Um and that's not saying Mark creates tweets all the time that are that are great. But he has a really good one about where someone says, Hey, what's the difference between design thinking, CX, user experience, human centered design, service design? And his response is like, I don't know. Is there one? I think it's something along that there's there is none. Um simple. It's really down to the language that's been used in the internal organization and how they're actually delivering value. So yeah, I I can second uh, that to follow all tweets of Mark. But adding to this is um, what helped me to frame this mindset is um, imagine that you're traveling to a distant country. Let's let's say I'm going to on holiday to Japan, um, okay. which might be a difficult example. But let's let's follow <laughs> along for a second. Um, when I want to get recommendations where to eat, uh, I probably best thing I can do is talk to the locals. And when I approach locals uh, and greet them in their native language and just have a few words in in their language, the chances of me getting a better recommendation like skyrocket. And the reason I'm using this example is imagine that you're a service design professional, a customer experience professional, and you start talking with business stakeholders. You're sort of taking a holiday somewhere else in a foreign country. Yeah. Imagine what it does when you're able to sort of use a few words that are common to them, where they are comfortable with, that that already sets a completely different tone. Rather than me coming in, speaking in Dutch and uh, trying to get a food uh, a dining yeah. recommendation, right? It's it. When we when we travel, we adopt, we sort of learn about the culture. At least we try, at least I try. We should be doing the same inside our organizations. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the shared language. And I think user experience designers from before kind of uh, it became like a mishmash of product design and all this other stuff, the old guard of user experience design, when they were kind of at the, at the forefront of bringing user experience into businesses, they did a really good job at that. They, you know, about the needs and how it intersected with agile and how they delivered value and made it, made it easy and, and so forth for the people to use the interfaces and stuff. And I think service design as a practice is at that point where it kind of realizes that it, from the business perspective, they've already gone through this, but potentially with bringing user experience in. And now there's another thing that's coming in as well. And what's going to happen in five years and 10 years? Is there going to be another thing where it's going to be server user experience, human centered design type design? What does it look like? What do you think? Oh, <clears throat> I ha I have a very simple model that I use that helps me to make sense of, of the world and all out of all these design disciplines. Uh, there is a classic book called The Experience Economy by Joe Pine and Gilmore. Uh, I forgot the first name. And um, there is a model in there which describes a per 
progression of economic value. How commodities turn into goods, how goods turn into yeah. products, how products turn into services, and then eventually into experiences and transformations. <clears throat> when I think about how design is e evolving, I use that model all the time uh, because the progression of economic value is how organizations work. And for me, services like are just what companies do, providing a service. And then yeah. some organizations provide an experience. That's the thing that you're designing. Uh, so uh, social design, human-centered design, all those other design disciplines that are out there right now, I get it. Sometimes it's good to sort of articulate a specific aspect like life-centered design. But I always for myself come, da come back to this model of progression of economic value. What are businesses selling? What are they delivering? A product, a service, a good, an experience. That's the thing they will want to design. And that's why service design as a practice, as a field, which I think is a way better way to sort of describe it, it will be around for the next 20, 30, 50 years. Yeah. Um, it's it's really important, though, like if it's going to be around for the next 20 or 30 years that we think about, as you said, the the health and the well-being of the, the people who are actually practicing the craft so they don't burn out. Um, and I know you're working on a number of things at the moment that can help support that. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about this? What a what a great transition, Jerry. <laughs> I agree. I need I need to get some uh, some sound effects. We'll do a little. There you go. Oh, into the next segment. Yeah, thank you. That that sets the stage. And yeah, so um, I can talk about one thing that uh, is very dear to my heart and is about mental well being of service design professionals. Um, yeah. It started out with something which was called the campfire. And the idea of the campfire was like literally a campfire, but then virtually this started just before the pandemic. And I I heard the need from members of the community to basically share struggles with each other. They, usually mm -hmm. the, these were people who were inside an organization that sort of heard about service design, hired their first service designer, and then these people were tasked to, okay, bring it on. You're the expert, show us how to do it. Um, and they stumbled and failed and uh, were lonely. That's that's basically what was happening. And I was hearing these stories over and over and um, in true design approach fashion, I felt like, let's okay, let's do something. Let's prototype something. So created the campfire, uh, which was a six-week series of bringing eight in-house service design professionals together. And on a weekly basis, somebody would share, what are, the, what are you working on? What are your struggles? What are your challenges? And the rest of the group would just listen, would listen, take notes, and then sort of be a mirror. And yeah, basing on the responses from these participants, it was transformational for them. Like just having having a community of like-minded people who understand you, that was transformational. So um, the campfire eventually evolved, but uh, let me give you uh, a moment to sort of interact here. No, I'm just saying like that that gives them a chance to fee to be heard and to feel like they're part of a an, an externalized tribe, um, and you're leveraging, I guess, the internet to, to bring that interconnectedness together. Like, and that's, it's, it's very powerful, but why do you think they need 
an external um, thing? Why can't this be brought in-house? And if so, what are the benefits of having it as an external thing? So I definitely do think that this can be brought in-house. And I know Mm -hmm. some companies do have this, like they have their internal design Mm -hmm. or UX design guild or tribe or community. Um, But it's just a matter of scale. Uh, The people who joined the campfire, which now turned into the circle, service design wasn't mature. Design isn't mature in those organizations yet. So the scale isn't there. And uh, therefore... You need to go looking for these people somewhere else. Yeah, and it's if you're working on your own as a service designer in an organization, which tends to be the case at the very start of, you know, kind of the movement, if you want, um, having having access to people who are going through the same stuff and maybe have gone through it before many times is hugely powerful because you can ask them questions and help keep them safe and so forth. I would even, uh, again, basing on what I'm seeing in these uh, communities, it's transformational. Like people literally feel lonely uh, and that changes when they are surrounded and feel that they can reach out to people who are in the same situation. Like, I don't know if that's the, that is, that isn't the only solution to mental well-being, but it's definitely a big contribution to making sure that you stay sane and, and, can put things into perspective. So what does it look like then? So walk me through what, I don't want to call that a program because you, you gave me mm-hmm. a virtual slap and I said that was before. Um, what, what does it look like from an experience perspective when can mm-hmm. people just buy a ticket or how does sure. it work? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned, the campfire evolved into what now is called the circle community. And the circle community has a very simple concept. We get together on a monthly basis for two hours uh, where we explore a topic that is relevant to this community. So right now it's about 17 to 20 in-house service design professionals. And um, the topics are facilitated by uh, one of the one or two of these members. And we talk about how to measure services, how to gain influence, how to incorporate circular design and um, you join for two hours, uh, you listen, you share your own story, you hear perspective uh, from others. And I would almost say that's it. That's not entirely true because we're doing stuff outside of this uh, two-hour session. But that two-hour session, that dedicated time, that focus time is like the bread and butter of uh, this community. Okay. And so is it a six weeks, is it? You said over six weeks? No, so uh, the circle is an ongoing thing. Uh, okay. it's, it's, you become a member of this community and uh, we have a program for the coming months of topics that we'll be addressing. Uh, okay, and so it is a community well, reference. It, it is a community, yes. Uh, it's, I, I think on the website, uh, I uh, sort website? of framed it as servicedesignshow.com slash circle. Yeah, I didn't want to make it too complicated. I think I framed it as a learning, a professional learning community. Okay, uh, cool. So uh, to to uh, get back to your point, it started out as a campfire, which was a six-week thing. But we really quickly noticed that six weeks wasn't enough. Like, you're not done after that. <laughs> you still don't have other people inside your organization around to, to have a chat with. So 
people want an, an ongoing thing. And that's why this is now an ongoing thing. Okay. And what, do you mind talking about how much it costs for, for people sure. listening? And I, I put a link to it in the show notes because it sounds like people listening will definitely be interested in this. Um, I'd just love to know, like to, to share that to say people to, to click and. Yeah, sure. So the membership fee right now is $50 or 50 euros nowadays. Uh, if you join on a personal membership, it's per month. And then it's 100 if you're uh, boss base. That's probably going to change uh, in 2023. But for now, that those are the current membership prices. And so they get access to, is it a monthly event? Yeah. So the monthly event, uh, that's one of the things you get access to. What you don't get access to, and that is uh, what I sort of specifically want to address, is we don't have a centralized way of communicating with the other team members, uh, community members outside of these sessions. So that's by design, and I posted something on that on LinkedIn. There is no Slack channel. There is no Facebook group. There is no LinkedIn group. There is mm -hmm. no WhatsApp group. Like On purpose, I didn't want to introduce another channel, which you have to pay attention to. And yeah. I think it's it's really hard to hold on to that because I feel a lot of external pressure to still introduce that. But I'm trying to keep uh, that away as long as I can. Yeah, which is is crazy that we've come together because yesterday I just killed off the This Is Hate City Slack for that very reason. Um, I had a great conversation with um, Jerry McGovern, one of my good friends in uh, in Dublin there about two weeks ago. And his whole theory of it's another thing, it's another channel, it's another fluid river that people need to keep their eye on in case, keep, in case they miss something. He's like, people don't need this stuff anymore. Um, it's not like it's the the news where current affairs are going to affect people's lives. Like if, if you can provide that and be controlled with an intent behind it and the rationale, I'm a huge believer in this now. So it's great to hear that that's something that you're echoing as well. Yeah. And uh, for me, it was, um, I, want to, I want to foster deeper connections, deeper conversations. Uh, so rather than, um, and, and Slack and all those kind of things have their place, but uh, it's often more superficial. It's quicker. Um, that's not the, the, the type of conversations and connections, relationships that I want to help foster like if you join the circle you go in for two hours you make you dedicate two hours of your time in a month like what are we talking about like two hours for personal growth and development that's nothing but i'd rather have you spend those two hours focused and sort of scattered around on a daily basis and the signal to noise ratio is like it's exponentially bigger when you focus for two hours rather than uh reading Scattered. a thousand messages that don't that aren't relevant to you or that you have to figure out if they are relevant to you so signal to noise deeper relationships deeper richer conversations that's i think what i'm trying to sort of facilitate and encourage okay it sounds like it's it's something that um definitely the listeners will be really interested in so i'll throw a link to that into the into the show notes mark but um we're coming towards the end of, of the podcast. If people wanted to reach out to you, um, I know servicedesignshow.com is your is your main hub at the moment for all the podcasts and all the video podcasts as well. But is there other ways people can get in touch with you you want to promote? 
Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so uh, I'd love to connect if you're listening to this conversation and thinking, well, uh, send, me, send me a note on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll reply to everyone. And uh, there's one other uh, sort of channel that might be interesting for the listeners, and that is uh, Service Design Jobs, which you briefly mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a service design position anywhere across the globe, Service Design Jobs is a platform where we try to scrape the internet and harvest all the available service design positions from companies across the world uh, into one place. So have a look there. It's really good. I was on that the other day, snooping around uh, in preparation for this. So like absolutely servicedesignjobs.com. You're you're definitely the service design man. You've got everything going, service design jobs, service design show. Throw links all in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, I, we, we, we said at the start of the conversation that I'm trying to simplify my life and uh, trying to bring it back to uh, uh, a few elements. But I think these, these are really the ones that I'm trying to focus on these days. Nice. Mark, listen, look, thank you so much for giving me your time. As always, thanks for everything that you do for the service design community globally as well. So uh, on behalf of everyone, thank you for, for all that effort. Grateful for the invitation, Jerry. Thanks. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.